0: I think I'm still excited about it being a brand new series, Cathy. Are those <laughs> dungarees?
1: They are. They are indeed dungarees. Oh my gosh! So,
0: mm. podcast sympathy. I very nearly wore dungarees today. Can you imagine? Right. Maybe we should sort of coordinate before we start the recording. Is that too twee?
1: I think it might be taking it too far.
0: A podcast <laughs> uniform.
1: Ooh. Well, when we've got our podcast t-shirts, we'll have to wear those, won't
0: we? Yes, like a costume. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should get a mascot.
1: Oh, well, we've got several dogs within oh, the no, vicinity. Oh, no. No no, 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 no,
0: no. I mean a mascot as in like a person in costume mascot, like a football mascot, like a giant outfit that we can put one of us in when we do personal appearances
1: I think this is something best kept for your weekends on your own you know what you do the privacy of your own home is totally up to you and if you want people in strange fluffy costumes if that's your bag darling it's all yours It you could be a
0: fork and I could be a bee or something
1: should that's... we work on that
0: the joy of costume designers you can be whatever they can put eyes and a mouth on anything
1: mm. Yeah, I'll just I'll just note that down and we'll come back to it later shall we we'll let that idea percolate You sound like <laughs> quietly <my therapist>. away
0: <laughs> lovely to see you Kathy
1: and you my love how are you
0: welcome to uh, episode two I'm sleepy I'm not gonna lie mm.
1: I'm pretty sleepy as well. I gotta say, Whew, which is why I'm drinking tea by the pint. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. It's just general addlement. What about you?
0: Addlement? good word. Thanks. And uh, no, mine is too bed too late too no, oh too late. Oh dear. <laughs> That's how tired I am. Too late <laughs> to bed, <laughs> and uh, a lot of stuff going on in the day. Because when I'm when I'm really busy in the day, I still feel I no need that little bit of downtime before I go to bed. And if the day is long, it means the downtime bit is later.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, what's nice now is that with the lighter evenings, that oh, downtime, right. oh, a little walk around the veg patch. Right. Look at the mole hills. <laughs> see what the blackbirds have dug up that day. Yeah. You'd think it would be stressful, but actually <laughs> it's quite grounding and I like it. Usually with a gin and tonic in hand, which helps. Yeah, oh, but a big one. it's the sun setting sure. and... oh. I've,
0: um, I have just bought a new hammock and there have been a few utterly magical, euphoric evenings laid in a hammock. Oh. With a jacket on just to take the edge off and just watching the blue sky and the sun drift. and
1: Beautiful, <sighs> beautiful. So- Though I have oh, seen some it. hilarious pictures of you trying to get into the hammock which more good at comedy
0: habits. than romance. <laughs> yeah, when I'm in, it's fine, and as long as I don't move. I've always got used to those, um, I've always had the, I don't know what they're called, made out of parachute silk, and they're a bit like a banana. So mm-hmm. they wrap round you, and, and they don't, you know, they're gathered very tightly mm. at both ends. You put them between a tree, um, traditionally, whilst cast away on a desert island, waking for a rescue ship. Um, or
1: failing that, in a garden in Lincolnshire, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh,
0: but instead I bought this other type of hammock, which I- I- each end it's um stretched out flat across a big thick bar, and the bar attaches to.
1: Oh yes, whatever. okay, I know. It looks like a giant sail. Mm.
0: And the problem is, it does sail three hundred and sixty degrees
1: with you in it.
0: Well, yeah. If you are not I mean, fun, first, no, no, not fun. <laughs> I, no, I don't think you're really. So, the first time I got in it, I got out of it, it all sort of all in one movement. <laughs> 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 rolled out and onto my elbow onto the stand and the hard tell me screen.
1: this is on video
0: <laughs> well do you know what's really funny is it was it, it sort of is on video but just the end bit when i'm screaming in pain so you don't oh
1: brilliant that. well ladies and gentlemen <laughs> coming to the Root Swings podcast instagram feed
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm not it, it is not at all delicate and and i what i mean it's fine I, if i'm sharing hammock time with somebody i ask them to look away while I get in it, and then there's the, oh, look,
1: I'm in a hammock. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> we digress with our hammock chat. Yes. What <clears throat> have we got going on today in this this week's episode?
0: Well, this, uh, I'm still getting used to it being called this week's Week? episode. Oh, the
1: really time goes this. so quickly.
0: I know. Uh, well, okay, we've got the usual chit and chat, Kathy, <laughs> and it's a good job I am not French because that would be... Um, Yes. Well, the second bit hmm. would be shat, right? And that's cat, is it not?
1: Oh, it is. Well done.
0: We may we. We
1: may we. Hello. Uh,
0: <laughs> uh, I want to ask you a very important question in just a moment, actually. Okay. Um, and then, of course, book of the week now, not book of the month.
1: <gasps> book of the week. I've got a corker
0: this week, so I oh, hope well, you have.
1: Likewise, yeah.
0: What I'm not being
1: competitive already.
0: Maybe am. Uh, but I wonder whether people should vote on which is their favourite
1: Oh, well, I can tell you now I'm going to win this week. <laughs> oh, not oh least God. because of the cover. Wait till you see it. Anyway.
0: <laughs> oh, not just bringing dungarees <laughs> this week, but also a big bag of sass.
1: Yeah, <laughs> every day, darling. Every uh, day.
0: Vegetable <laughs> of the episode. Again, mm-hmm. I've got a corker. Uh, and also, I'm really excited about the guest interview because you're doing this one.
1: I am, and she was an absolute legend. Um, She's uh, the lovely Anna Greenland. She was a complete star. We'll come on to talk about her and her amazing gardening skills.
0: I have an apology to make about Anna because all of the time that I think about Anna, I keep calling her Anna Greenwood, which is not Anna Greenland. It's not. I don't know. I wonder who Anna Greenwood is. is. (laughs) I don't
1: know. It's such a great name for a gardener though, right? Greenland. Oh,
0: right? It's Greenwood actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Anna Greenland, Anna Greenland, she is the lady that we're interviewing this week. Uh, and then I want to talk to you about a walkie with Marley that I did because I don't do Oh, know.
1: yes, please. And it
0: was really cool. Um, Brilliant, can't wait. But, but anyway, listen, news, 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 news. What have you been up to since I spoke to you last week? What's been going on?
1: I have been tending to my French beans which are having a bit of a time of it, I have to say, because they should have been planted out by now. Right. But they, the weather has been not no. very... It's been all
0: over the place this year, hasn't it?
1: I mean, just crazy. Um, and so I'm a bit nervous about... It's like sending your firstborn to school <laughs> for the first time. And I imagine, I don't know. And Every year. Yeah, every year. And you're like, have they got enough layers on? Are they going to be too cold? Are they going to get bullied? It's a bit like that, putting the beans <laughs> get out. Well, you know.
0: By aggressive parsnips.
1: <laughs> well, mostly by aggressive blackbirds here, know, or sparrows. Yeah. There's like a marauding horde of them. And they move as a pack, and they land on your fresh new tender greenery and know, pluck right? it to shreds.
0: I know.
1: So yeah. how about you?
0: Well, I've got sweet pea um Armageddon here. Ah. Oh. <laughs> I I planted out sweet peas again probably a bit too early. We had a lovely run of okay nice mm. weather and they were tender and you know the roots were coming out the bottom of the pots so that's normally a good sign saying get yeah. me in that ground and let me go and I got them in the ground and they've not let go. Uh so they're still looking a little bit tender. I'm I might pop out this weekend and if they're still looking a little bit pathetic i think i might dig them back up
1: well they're all don't dig them up are they in pots
0: no no i just put them in the ground
1: in the ground don't dig them up okay i reckon I um so sweet peas are hardy so you yes. can plant them significantly earlier than most people do mm-hmm. and in my experience when you do that they do make a fuss for a few weeks okay. and they sit there mine were the same they sit there doing virtually nothing for yes. several weeks yes. and you go are you okay and they go we're just yes. we're just sort of getting used to the temperature but we'll we'll find our mojo soon and then they That's do it. and they go for it oh okay. so fine. F- fret not
0: so tough love
1: yeah right
0: okay fine well i might go out of the weekend still and maybe just you know shout at them a bit good idea instead
1: hmm. and feed out. them perhaps
0: Oh, that's a nice idea. Yeah, see, mm. tough love, right? Bit mm. of yin, bit of yang.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Oh, you know, weedy things. Look at you. You're going to mount to nothing. Bit of that, right? That's always... Yeah. A bit of horrific psychology abuse. That's always very good. For the...
1: <laughs> Usually works with plants, I'm followed sorry. by some good organic seaweed feed. They'll be fine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, but I have, uh, other than my sweet peas, I've been pondering something. It's a question of life, Cathy, and I'd like to give it to you. Oh, crikey. Um, Uh, But it's is—it's not too deep. It's not, you know, is squatting over natural yoghurt the most effective way? It's not like that sort of question. What this question is, is why is it called British Summertime when it doesn't start until June? So why are we saying, oh, look, British Summertime in, when do the clocks start? Is that April or May? When does it become British Summertime?
1: End of March.
0: End of March, right. So we we enter British Summertime, quote unquote at end of March but officially it's not summer until what like the 12th of June or something is it mm. so all of that time where I'm being sold the summer dream it's no wonder so many people in England bitch and moan about the weather all the time because we're being told that summer British summertime starts in March very much not warm and lovely or April or May although do you remember 2020 do you remember
1: that uh, right we were we were in swimsuits in April.
0: Exactly. Like all of April and May. I was practically naked in the garden in May. Practically. Steady. I mean, there were a couple of days when I, I may well have been entirely in my birthday suit tending... I
1: really hope you sunscreen. ...to my strawberries. <laughs> 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 I no, I do. Always. I lather vigorously. Good. Good.
0: Um, this
1: picture is... I mean, we've got hammocks, <laughs> we've got nakedness, <laughs> we've got lathering. I mean, your garden... Strongly. You're going to have
0: to change the rating of this
1: book. <laughs> <laughs> but you're um, quite right. It was, I mean, compared to last year. And then even before that, the my phone, as it annoyingly does, shows me pictures from memories, which uh, I find slightly bittersweet. Because the other day, it, sh- yeah, it showed me one of um, Harry and Meghan's wedding year. We had a, a picnic on the Village Green that oh, day. Um, and the weather was fabulous. Yeah and what did we have this may storms and torrential rain and also <clears throat> we've had full seasons
0: it's like living in new zealand like in a day it will go from cool crikey i need a t-shirt and shall i maybe go and get my shorts on because i'm outside in the garden doing stuff To oh that's getting a bit nippy i'll put a fleece on oh no no and a coat and a scarf and oh now it's hail i'm gonna go inside for a bit and now all of a sudden it's back to summer again it's really random
1: It is totally random. And I think your point about why do we call it British summertime is quite an existential question, Jess, as you you always bring to the table. Um, Because it's the difference between what them with a capital T tell yes. us is the start of summer yes. and what nature tells us is the start of summer because the summer equinox, as you say, is way into tune. Yep. And that's usually, particularly in the UK, when it starts to actually feel like summer, whereas the powers that be who tell us to change the clocks at the end of March yep don't know where they're coming from so there is there's a, a life lesson there
0: <laughs> not changing the clock thing this is for another time maybe, maybe we'll talk about this next episode but there is there's a whole movement about and there've been petitions about why on earth we mess around changing clocks all the time and it's something yes. there's an old it's not true i've done lots of i love finding out like the real the real meaning of words because like things like the phrase nitty gritty, I was told was racist and you mustn't say it; it's very bad. And I looked at the uh, etymology of 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 nitty gritty and where the racist connotation came from. But it predates that. Uh, and so it turns out it's it's not racist. Like it, and, it, and it was hardly ever used in that racist term. It was just somebody <laughs> somewhere picked it up and went, oh, look, this was has been used. And you think, well, that's really fascinating, isn't it? We've been mm. sold that, and it's not the it's not what we think it is. Mm. But interestingly enough, also with this uh, clock thing, I found went down a little rabbit hole where apparently it was to do with farming,
1: sheep farmers in Scotland,
0: right? Nope, mm. nah,
1: <gasps> nope. Have they been made scapegoats?
0: Yeah, or sh- scape sheep. Yep. <laughs>
1: exactly. I was hoping you would take that. <laughs> <laughs> I take anything. Just, it's Just at me. offer that one up to you. <laughs> if it's easy, I'll have it. Um, uh, yeah, something to
0: do with the war, and I forget the exact uh, description now, but or the exact uh, uh, explanation. But we should pick it up next time because I'm mm. all in favour of not messing around with the clocks.
1: Well, answers on a postcard, please, listeners, because that would be an interesting. Takes one.
0: me at least four and a bit weeks to sort the bloody oven out.
1: Why is it that nobody
0: knows how to change <laughs> their oven clock? It's this weird combination of the alarm button and the one next to it and you hold it for three seconds. But if you hold it for five, it sets the timer. And then, of course, your oven doesn't work properly. And then you've got to flip through and
1: you need a physics degree to change. the clock <laughs> do, on <laughs> um,
0: yeah. But anyway, talking of things to do last week, I asked you or you raised actually about my peg which seems to have, for some bizarre reason, (laughs) gripped so many people Uh, to the point I now get asked why I don't have the peg on if I forget to put it on. It's
1: because it's a genius idea. Having a peg on your lapel is such a good way of being able to write notes and with a piece of paper in it right and then yeah. you write your notes and you can remember what you need to do in the veg patch i think Genius. the problem is
0: very often i just have the peg, um, but, <laughs> but you're wearing with your straps like because i wear dungarees a lot or uh, you know my all my trousers have braces it's a great place to put the peg on that little strappy bit yeah um so here's my big question i told you i had a big question for you this week this is the big question kathy slack look me in the eyes and be honest to our listener Have you or have you not started using the peg?
1: I'm sorry, Jess, I haven't.
0: You haven't? After all of that?
1: What is it now? Do you you... know? No, no, no. (laughs) No, but (laughs) I can do better. (laughs) I could do better, Jess, because... Yes, you can. Although (laughs) I haven't started using the peg, you have just broken a dream I had the other night, which was about choosing a peg. See, this is a. See, I'm not kidding. I'm not using a, a peg, but I've been process. choosing the peg. Yes, I'm not, but I've been dreaming about choosing a peg, which I think is much. But shows that it's much more in me? my mind. Yeah, I'm afraid you weren't in it. Oh, okay just the pegs but there was this beautiful selection of different pegs and now it raises the question of should I get a wooden peg or a coloured peg in like one of those brightly coloured plastic ones or should I get a fat peg or should it be a small one and then should it be a peg that's got a metal spring in it or should it be one of those old-fashioned ones that you used to make dolls out of when you were yes uh, Child in the 1940s, for example.
0: (laughs) A traditional clothes peg is what we call (laughs) it.
1: Exactly. Yes, that's
0: what we call it, as opposed to a spring-loaded or sprung peg.
1: (laughs) Thank you. You see, this is the reason that I haven't actioned the peg job is that there's quite a big decision to be
0: made i'm loving the fact that you put an awful lot of thought and love into this so what and is, i dreamt
1: about and it you and dreamt. have come to no conclusion <laughs> I have so. to say it's
0: a lot more than i've ever put into this <laughs> see
1: so you, i am paying attention i think it's because you said
0: before that you were in that shop weren't you and they had a big basket of gorgeous pegs mm. which i have not stopped talking about i've told everybody about that so we need to go out <laughs> on expeditions to find where these gorgeous pegs are
1: peg option so please (laughs) tell me what sort of peg i should get
0: my personal preference i do love you know me i'm a lover of anything old Mm -hmm. and personally i do love the old traditional clothes peg but i do find they slip and slide a little bit so i use the springy yeah spring-loaded wooden one
1: modern peg yes okay but not a, a wooden one not a plastic
0: one yes no I'm not a fan of the plastic one. fair enough to say. Yeah. and they fade and they, they're just not as I don't find as durable and mm-hmm. you can write on the wooden one you can name it
1: oh nice Maybe what's your peg called
0: well they've all each got different names
1: oh and the, and are they is it like the seven dwarfs
0: well no my favourite <laughs> is Larry because Larry is the one that doesn't I don't know where he came from he doesn't fit all the so all of the others are from the same bag and Larry's older he's different he's mature he's got character he's unique um
1: so, and what are the younger ones called
0: uh i have matilda uh is the one and she's got a little chip like missing out of the the top of her uh i think i've got a peg called steve um i don't remember the others i can I'll tell you what, the next time i'll line them up and look at them larry's we'll put my them favorite on instagram Yes, yes, of course. Yes, we'll do that. We'll put them on our lovely Instagram. Where can people find our Instagram if they've not already? Well, they
1: can find us on the Instagram channel, website. What do you app. think people call it? anyway? It's definitely an app. God, we're so old, Jess.
0: Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't mind saying we're not cool, but I'm not old. <laughs> My mum says I'm never going to say I'm old because when you start thinking you're old, that's when you start behaving like you're old.
1: She's a wise lady. Yeah, she okay. is. Anyway, you can lady. find us... Uh, <laughs> she'll be on the phone any minute now uh you can find us on instagram at @rootswingspodcast, roots Wings podcast and there you can find chat about larry the peg and his other little peg friends shortly <laughs> larry
0: and the Pegettes. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord right <clears throat> come on let's get it over come and done on, with. Then. competition here we go <clears throat> who's gonna what? win Who's going first? Oh, book books! Book right, yes,
1: book of the, of the week. week. Well, I think seeing as you're going to lose, you should go first. That's <laughs> only magnanimous of me. After you, Jez. I can't
0: believe how aggressive you can be. Well, what
1: is your book of the week?
0: Book of the week. Uh, it's very much about bees because this time of the year, it's very. I'm keep. I'm keep looking over there because something's caught my eye, Cathy. I the lilac there's a big, beautiful lilac flower that's bursting and showing off its little lilac mm. sexiness and it, it's just caught my eye. So that's why I keep averting. Sorry.
1: We'll uh, also be on inter- Instagram shortly. It in, will
0: shortly, yeah. um, You can see what we can see on Instagram at <laughs> Um So because when the sun comes out and it gets to the summertime, the actual summertime, the real summer, like now.
1: Nature's summertime, not Nature's the government's summertime. Summer.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 not them with a capital T God. who we must rebel against. Um, it everybody starts to think about bees and we use the term bees very colloquially so people talk about honeybees and bumblebees just bees together and one of the things I've been really proactive about over the last probably two years is mm, encouraging people to think more and ask more questions about keeping bees because the hobby of beekeeping has become so so popular in the last few years But honeybees are a a stock, they're a managed animal in the same way that you'd manage cows or sheep or whatever. And I've said for a long time that, and also, by the way, it's not as simple as people make out. It's a lot of work. It's like getting a puppy. You know, you need regular maintenance. There's regular costs to keeping bees as well. And in order for you to keep them properly, you do need to do regular checks and and keep an eye on them because they harbor so many diseases that are spread so, so easily as well. So I encourage people instead to, if you want to keep bees, you want to do something great for bees, is to plant for bees. And (laughs) your book of the week is Plants
1: for Bees. Nice. It
0: is produced, uh, sorry, it is published by Ibra. And Ibra is the... Uh, oh, gosh, I should know this off my heart. That is absolutely terrible. I forget what it stands for. It's like the International Bee Research Association, I think. Very good. And, uh, yeah, it still doesn't tell me on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> but our lovely friend Kate Humble, TV mm. uh, broadcaster and all-round nature lover and farm wonderful person, says on the front, it is a wonderful and hugely important book. And I've spoken to Kate about it, and I know she loves it. It's really thick. Can you see that? This is a yeah. hardback version. And in here there are glorious pictures of every plant that you could ever possibly imagine, alphabetized from A to Z. And it tells you for each one, there's like a little color coding here, and it tells you, it rates them as to, so it tells you the family it's in, when it flowers, how it's cultivated, whether it produces, uh, or or whether uh, bees can get honey from it or not. So whether it's a, you know, a, a, a honey, uh, a flower that impacts honey the taste of honey or, or production honey and then it gives you a little rundown as to how popular it is with honeybees um, short-tailed bumblebees long-tailed bumblebees and solitary bees so you can particularly go through and say well I want to plant for honeybees or I want to plant something that the bees really 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 love and so you'd say okay well that's only got one rating for holiday uh, so solitary bees hyssop that's only got one little tag next to it but here ivy has got three tags next to it for solitary bees you could tell well I'll plant some ivy that's great or if you just want to see you know what's good in your garden you can flick through all of this find the things that are in your garden and see how good they are for the bees because some of them are like this one tomatoes no good at all for solitary bees they couldn't give a hoot about tomatoes Um, that is a lovely book it's brilliant isn't it absolutely yeah i love it is
1: it a new book
0: it's not a new book no and actually you might need to go on to a second-hand bookstore or something to find it because i believe it was one of those because ibra aren't a major publisher they're a specialist Mm. publisher, obviously uh it wasn't cheap it was 25 pounds but i have to say see for me i don't think 25 pounds is that's sort of a normal price for a big hardback book it um, and it's the sort of book that you're never gonna you, you'll get so much use out of it it's absolutely stunning so in terms of investing in your garden instead mm. of spending 25 quid on a bush or on two plants this is going to give you so much more use and uh, and and knowledge so that, that is, a- is my
1: book Really good book. And it reminds me of the episode uh, you did in series two of this podcast um, with Dave...
0: Oh, Goulson. Goulson. Yeah, yes. Goulson,
1: that's it. Yes. Um Who... And I thought that was really interesting because he was talking about wildlife generally, but when he was talking about bees and he used a lovely analogy, which, which was new information to me, that keeping bees is a bit like keeping chickens yes and he said so if you were to think that we needed more uh wild like we needed more birds in the world and you kept chickens as a way of doing that then yes it would do it but doesn't really solve the issue of there (laughs) not being enough wild birds and he made that analogy in terms of we keep honeybees because we think it's better for bees and pollinators. And actually it's not. Sometimes it can be a bit detrimental yeah, in parts. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that's
1: really good that that book talks about different types of bees and yeah. how to um, and, and, and it was them. eye-opening
0: for me because I love Daphne. It's got such an incredible... Mm. <laughs> that sounded like some revelation. I was like, who's <laughs> Daphne? <laughs> who's Daphne? <laughs> now I know what you mean. <laughs> and does she know? Um... <laughs> It's got such an incredible scent. Even in the winter, if there are still flowers on it and that wind casts in the right direction, it's just stunning. And I Mm. remember buying two Daphne bushes and they're starting to really develop this year. But I flicked to Daphne here in the book and it doesn't help uh, produce honey. It's got one tick next to honeybees, but short-tailed bumblebees, long-tailed bumblebees and solitary bees can give a hoop. It's got a zero score for them. So oh my
1: word.
0: just goes to show you that, you know, even say even I get it wrong, like I've got some superior knowledge, but the point was that when I created all of the garden here at the farm, it, it was with the intention of it being a pollinator friendly site. Everything had a decision. Every single plant and, and, and planting scheme here is about supporting pollinators. Um, and it just goes to show that I assumed that because it had a high scent and great yes. floral, that it would be very attractive for bees, but turns out it's only attractive to the honeybees, and and, and only one mark on the honeybees as opposed to three or four. So,
1: that yeah. is a great choice of book. Remind us of the name again.
0: It is uh, Plants for Bees, and it is uh, in fact Kate has written the foreword. I've just noticed on here as well. That's obviously something that I've missed on there. So it's by W. Kirk and F. Howells... A guide to the plants that benefit the bees of the British Isles, published by Ibra. I B R A. Now, obviously, my book of the week has significant ecological impact, um, societal impact, environmental impact. Um, it is, I mean, some may say a lifeline for the future generations of nature. Um, I just want you to bear that in mind, Kathy, when you come to the, you know, who wins yeah,
1: the I- next bit. Feeling over, over slightly to your storybook. Now. Feeling slightly more sheepish now because that really was a great choice. <laughs> okay, slight a bit less confident, but um, but it's still a cracker, and it's a cracker for those on YouTube um, watching us on Zoom. You'll be able to see it's a cracker for many reasons. The first of which is that the cover is completely gorgeous. Oh, My nice, nice. choice this week is Herb, a Cook's Companion by Mark Diacono and it's published by Quadrille uh, Hardy Grant and it's a beautiful cover if you can't see it it's this matte with an embossed leaf in it and then this beautiful green illustration it's very minimalist and just I could eat it up I love a cookbook like this I
0: love already the simplicity of the title and the simplicity of the cover
1: yeah it's really beautiful and it's a gardening book and a cookbook which I love it's like a kinder surprise in a cookbook for me (laughs) um because it's got at the beginning it's got a list and a section on what to grow different herbs culinary herbs um and how to grow them and um how to start them off and what they grow with um and what they cook what they go with to cook as well um And it's hilarious because the thing that really made me love this book is that in the section where you would expect to see uh, lemon balm, there's just a bit, I'm not sure if I can find it, there's a bit that says, no, just no. (laughs) You might expect to see lemon balm here, but you will not because it's a thug and you shouldn't have it in your garden because it's part of the... Uh, mint family so it's very very invasive but also it just smells like jiff i mean he doesn't say that but that's basically what he's saying like just no. Really, which i love because he's completely right yeah, he is yeah um but, but then in the, cookery the section, book kathy it is about to 270 pages no. so it's really comprehensive. Many herbs? well half of it's herbs and it he's not shy he puts everything in there so there's the usual that you would expect like tarragon but there's also sweet sicily and scented geraniums and savory spring and summer and winter and there's some of the more unusual ones too which I really like and then the recipes well you might think it's difficult to do a recipe book that's Majoring on herbs sure. in a way that it's not just, and then add some parsley at the end. Yeah. But he's done, which you could do with anything.
0: That right? would be mine.
1: But they are beautiful recipes that just make you long for long leisurely days. So mm. pineapple and sage upside down cake. Ooh. Oh, I love that idea. That sounds and, really nice.
0: Uh, sage with pineapple. I would have never and, have done
1: that. Oh uh, well, there's a pineapple sage so i know huh. uh and curry leaf kedgeree and mm, fennel grilled red mullet with a fennel salad and ax and um oh that one looks good mackerel <laughs> with raisins orange and i've uh, just talked amongst yourselves so yes yeah. <laughs> have another flick through genuinely quite, really
0: hungry now
1: <laughs> yeah it makes you hungry which i think is the sign of a really good cookbook and it's Um, It's quite new. It's only been out a couple of months. But it's obviously a storming success. And it's very accessible. And I think if a book makes you want to rush out into the garden or rush to the kitchen and start cooking, then that's a good thing. And he's a always been a brilliant garden and cooking writer so And
0: books like that are one. really good to buy for the winter as well because when you can't readily get outside you can fantasize or, and prepare and, and
1: exactly nurse. Mm. exactly so it's a, it's a long term and it's a reference book as well you'll come back to it and go explain to me what I'm supposed to do with my oh, hyssop lovely. for example yeah
0: lovely. so that's
1: my book of the week
0: i think I it's a draw
1: that. Is it? Should we call it a drawer?
0: <laughs> okay. Does it look beautiful inside?
1: Ah, uh, yes. I'll show you some. Let me show you some pictures.
0: This is one on of the, the reasons why you need to be both on Instagram and on YouTube.
1: Oh, that is stunning. What is that? Uh, that is a which is a Georgian recipe. What is um, it? A
0: souffle or something?
1: No, it's a kind of. Um, Drink. Sauce. Oh, look at that. Leek mimosa classic. Oh beautiful
0: yeah all right it's a
1: looker it's a looker
0: well listen i'm hungry so let's get um uh let's get on with vegetable of the week
1: Ooh, yes i'm always a bit nervous about vegetable of the week because i never know what vegetable you're going to give me and then i'm gonna have to yeah come up with something you can cook with it that's
0: why you're brilliant that's why you're a co-host because i could come up with any vegetable and you'd be able to give us what i don't know a hundred recipes straight off the (laughs)
1: No pressure. <laughs> Come on then. Hit me with it. I'm ready.
0: This is based on your book. By the way, how is Lovely Book coming on?
1: Lovely Book is lovely. Thank you very much. Have yes, you finished sniffing
0: it every day yet or not?
1: Jolly exciting. Well, the publishers keep sending me boxes of them, which is very nice. And I just sit kind of stroking the box.
0: Yeah, that's very <laughs> nice.
1: Good fun. Yeah.
0: So this is why I thought well, you've been writing this book from The mm. bench Patch. For so long,
1: available at all good bookshops. Absolutely
0: <laughs> unavailable. <laughs> Sorry, it's a sort of ones.
1: contractual obligation to
0: say <laughs> uh, that I know that you're in that mode of veg and here's some stuff you can do with it. <clears throat> but yep. I thought this month, I've been thinking this week, I've, I've been spinning on this a little bit. I'm going to go for something a little bit left field, Kathy. Uh oh. I'm going to give you the carrot because oh. it's boring. I've never seen anything interesting done with carrots. I like carrot cake, but it must be moist. And most people ruin it by putting not enough spice and pizzazz and gorgeousness in it. And I love a plump sultana. I won't let it be said. Um, (laughs) And the other thing is that I find the only interesting thing about carrots is when they're rainbow. So, uh, and that's not some societal... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> some kind of Very political in- statement inclusive statement <laughs> yeah, but, but it is true that I love a rainbow carrot they're, they're gorgeous and they taste different and but generally I mean they're just a bit boring they get chopped up and chucked in a steamer so please Kathy unleash my excitement with carrots
1: I take it out of the steamer for a start, yes. Okay, carrots, you're right, rainbow ones are lovely. I find them harder to grow. They're a bit harder to germinate. I Carrots are notoriously difficult to germinate. And oh. It's a classic, I think, that mistake that everyone makes when they first start growing vegetables. They go, well, let's grow the obvious stuff, like carrots. Actually, they're a bit troublesome, and they need huh. quite sandy soil so that they don't get forked and
2: um, gnarly.
1: That. And the rainbow ones, because they're a, they tend to be a heritage variety, um, they tend to be slightly less prolific oh. and slightly less reliable, therefore, than the modern ones, which have been bred for their obviously ability yes. to, to germinate and be reliable. But they are super tasty. Um, I'm talking about growing so that I can stall for recipe ideas, of course. <laughs> <clears throat> Because carrots is not one of the chapters in my book because I wanted to do beginner like uh, vegetables that were easy exactly okay yeah sure so um, let me think well the classic start would be a carrot salad and I know people go oh carrot salad
0: already I mean pass the salad cream exactly
1: no no well for a start if you want a, a a cheap Cheap thrills, then grated <laughs> carrot you know so with well. <laughs> <laughs> grated carrot with salad cream. Oh my goodness, heaven! But for something a bit more sophisticated, you could try grating the carrot still, mixing in some plump sultanas, which I know you like so much, and then some toasted cumin. Oh, That's now delicious. Here we go. Okay, yeah. so
0: this is raw carrot
1: or not? Raw carrot, grated. Right then mixed with olive oil, yes. some toasted cumin seeds, yes. some sultanas, Ooh. and if you've got it, maybe some chopped coriander or parsley, if not, just oh, something to give a bit of, of greenery. earthy. And it is delicious, really good on its own, lovely in a wrap, even nicer with a bit of hummus mixed into it too. Um, so that would be my first go-to with carrots.
0: Can I just um, make a point, Kathy, of saying that mm-hmm. in the background, There is not, that's not carrots screaming that we can hear. You can
1: hear that, can
0: you? (laughs) In the distressed state that they are saying, no, give us more sexy recipes. You've got renovations, haven't you, in your house?
1: I've got, I've got builders in. I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. You can
0: just about hear the screaming of the saw in the background. I thought I'm going to jump in and just in case anybody was listening, thinking, oh gosh, are those carrots, wailing?" (laughs) From wailing the at packs. the
1: prospect of being grated no it is it's builders plastering i don't know why they're making that racket but they're plastering um the kitchen which is nearly finished excitingly you having a
0: new kitchen
1: in fact by the time this airs it will be finished oh my so gosh, pictures we'll on
0: instagram put that in the for the next week we're talking about that because i I've, I've got dreams of a new kitchen and i've got ideas and we need to chat and i think we should do it mm-hmm. publicly
1: we can chat, yes. Right. And the nice thing about the kitchen is that it's going to be all glass, and it will look straight out onto the veg patch, so I can watch my carrots trying to grow by the day.
0: That has made my cleaning so, yes. jazz twitch. Mm. But
1: so other carrot right. recipes. Mm. Um, well, if you're not going to roast them, and you're going to, if you're not going to eat them raw, roast them. Okay. Don't cook them in a steamer or boil them. So boring. Not least because if you boil them, then all the nutrients just soak out into the, and I think the flavour, soak out into the water. So better to roast them, which you can do by just scrubbing them if they're nice carrots, don't bother peeling them. Toss them in some olive oil and chuck them in the oven until... They're a hot oven, so maybe twenty to thirty minutes. Keep turning them until they're all nice and gnarly. Mm. In fact, I know we keep doing this, but it reminds me of the time we came. I came and cooked at yours on yes. your uh, open fire because yep. carrots, particularly baby ones, tossed in olive oil and chucked on a barbecue. Yep. oh, delicious. They were delicious. Um, and if you've done it in a barbecue or in the oven, then when they come out you can put some cheese is always good, so maybe some fried halloumi over the top Ooh, or yes. some feta. Um just delicious.
0: Yes, that sounds nice. My mum at Christmas does a citrus and butter glazed carrots. So she oh, julienne's nice. the carrots into so Julienne is lots of sort of long mm-hmm. thin sticks and Then I think there's a little bit of lemon juice, quite a lot of orange juice and some butter in a pan with some water. And she just sort of the water is just enough. It's like a frying pan, just enough to cover the 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 um, carrots and then sort of, I guess, hard simmers them just until the water's gone. And by the time the
1: water's gone, they've cooked through. Yes. And so they haven't lost lots of their nutrients and flavour into this litre of water that they're bubbling away yeah. and then you get this lovely glazed citrusy mm. bit of honey as well perhaps well,
0: she doesn't but we are mm. a family that would of be excess. a nice addition I should be known, so
1: that's...
0: <laughs> <laughs> i like oh, that well you've redeemed the you carrot. thanks for thanks. that. thanks now talking of redemption <laughs> you you were in the interview hot seat this week i was which was exciting and so anna greenland not greenwood anna greenland Anna
1: Greenland.
0: Who is Anna Greenland, Kathy?
1: Oh, well, Anna Greenland is the darling of veg growing. She darling.
0: I like to think she's got a business card that says, Anna Greenland, (laughs) darling of veg growing.
1: I really hope she has. If she hasn't, we, the podcast, should make her one and send them to it. She's a star. She's... Um, unlike most darlings who are all mouth and no trousers, she lives, she, she not only lives the dream, but she's incredibly knowledgeable. So she started as a grower at, um, well, she did some other things before, which we talk about in the interview, but she, her breakthrough was as a grower at um, the mamoir. At Raymond Blanc's. So, um,
0: Le Manoir au Cassazon in Oxfordshire. Oui,
1: bien the sûr. Beautiful
0: Michelin-star restaurant, I
1: think. It's many times michelin star okay. restaurant, which has the most spectacular kitchen garden. It's like heaven on earth. Oh, wow. And they really use the ingredients hard. It's yeah. not just there for show. Sure. It's a real working garden. Beautiful. And it has several gardeners. And Anna was there for a long time and was very influential in the way they grow organically and hyper-seasonally as yes. well. And with some unusual ingredients as well. So she's she started her... Uh, career, I suppose. Um, there and then she went on to work for Soho Farmhouse, which is also in Oxfordshire, and is a. How can I describe it? It's not just a hotel. It's a. It's like the poshest Centre Parks you've ever been to, <laughs> basically.
0: So <laughs> Centre Parks wasn't posh enough.
1: Exactly, um, and when they opened, maybe. Four five years four or five years ago they set up a, they started a kitchen garden from okay. scratch wow. and she did that so it was a huge undertaking um and she had these fabulous raised beds and polytunnels and again she was raising vegetables for the gar- for the kitchen as well as for it to be beautiful for guests to see now she's set up her own uh, garden in east anglia and in sussex and she mm. suffolk even and she's in the process of creating a garden that will a veg garden that will welcome visitors and classes wow. and she's going to teach and she's going to host events and amazing i mean it's such an exciting time for her so we had lots of chat about soil because she's working heavily on the soil and this is what's so interesting about anna is that she, she focuses because she grows organically but because she's had such amazing training The first thing she's doing is concentrating on getting the soil as rich and as fertile as it can be before she thinks about planting anything. So we had lots of great chat about the soil and about what she grows. And we talk about feeding the soil, quite a lot of chat about nettle soup, which uh, which will come to as in for feeding, not for eating for ah, humans,
2: for,
0: mm-hmm. as a feed, yes.
1: uh, and about organic growing generally.
0: I can't wait. Please stop talking. I want to hear, <laughs> I want to hear, <laughs> you're teasing us. I want you'll, to hear
1: also, you'll also be very pleased about her answer to the cat or dog question. I was
0: just going to say, did you ask her if she had, because I got berated for forgetting to ask Arthur Parkinson about it. So, I can't
1: believe you forgot. Of course I did. You'll be very yes. glad.
0: I can't wait. I hope she's <laughs> one of us. Do you want to introduce her,
1: Cathy? The fabulous Anna Greenland. Well Anna welcome to the show and thank you so much for joining us today. We're just thrilled to have you Aww. in this episode.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Oh no it's brilliant. I'm um, I'm sad that we can't be together in your beautiful garden in Suffolk because I've watched it um slightly obsessively I'll admit on Instagram. <laughs> um and it seems like plans are coming it's growing at pace, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's coming on. Um yeah, it's it's slowly developing cuz I've been um well i've been writing a book this past year um so that's this is very exciting yeah it's good it's it's a sort of a grow your own book um which will be out in september um excellent can um, you
1: tell us the name yet or is it top I secret
2: don't i don't think i can which is really okay. annoying
1: um you just make us more excited for I, when it comes yeah, out <laughs>
2: keep you hanging no i know i really <laughs> want to be able to to share a bit more but i think i'm i'm supposed to keep it under wraps for a bit longer i'm not sure why
1: sure but, no um, I, i'm know that feeling
2: you well don't know, know, know the score um but so yeah, you've so been that writing the book quite busy with that yeah so i've been more kind of laptop based really than um you know hands in the soil but um yeah i'm now the the book's done it's in it's gone to print nothing can be changed so um now is the time <laughs> to get cracking really so we've been in suffolk for over two years now probably two and a half years um having been in oxfordshire previously Um, and we took this project on here. Um, it was sort of an old dilapidated barn and, um, about an acre of land basically. Um, which, you know, it feels after my tiny Oxford garden, um, suddenly feels quite overwhelming really. I mean, I've done big gardens for, for clients and, you know, for, for work, but I've never had that kind of space to play with for for myself. So, um, Yeah, it's it's quite it is quite daunting, but it's exciting. So, we're we're but
1: starting starting a garden from scratch is kind of your thing, isn't it? Because you did it at Soho Farmhouse, that because there was nothing there when you arrived, was there? And you built it all.
2: No, no. And
1: so you're doing the same, but for yourself now.
2: Yeah, exactly. So that that was quite good experience, really. Soho Farmhouse, because that was just purely. I mean, I remember rocking up there. I think it was February, and they were opening in June. And there was a muddy field, um, and that was it. And they said, "Oh, this is your site. This is the kitchen going to be the kitchen garden. We want it full and bountiful by June." Um, what so did you do? <laughs>
1: uh,
2: How did you do ran, it? Ran ran in the other direction. I, I think because I because was coming from the memoir as well, which you know was such an established garden and um, just beautiful. And um, and then and the attraction of Soho Farmhouse was that challenge of creating something from scratch, but. Yeah, that was pretty, pretty daunting as well. But I think we, I mean, we just got cracking. I begged and borrowed hat. Greenha- we didn't have any indoor propagation space. So I was asking people on the Great Cheer Estate if they had greenhouses in their gardens and um, begged, borrowed and stealed sort of you know greenhouse space just got things going really and then they had lots of unfortunately there you know it's difficult because when you're dealing with people that don't really understand gardens as such that's another challenge so they just gave me about 100 builders and said you know this is your this is your team to get the garden going Which probably wasn't the best fit, really. Um, So it was, yeah, it was pretty mad. But we we did get there. We got there in the end. Um, It was a stunning garden. A lot of hands on deck, really.
1: Um, yeah but for your so for your own garden cut mm. to several years later and now you're starting from scratch again in your garden in Suffolk tell us a little bit about the space that you've got and what you've got planned for it and how presumably you don't have an army of 100 builders to do it for you now you're flying solo so tell us what you've got planned and what the ambitions are yeah, for this space. so
2: it's, it's interesting it's it's not um a site that you would dream up in terms of the, the use of the land previously i mean suffolk unfortunately i mean it, it's the arable sort of east of england really you know so um traditionally there's a long history here of farming lots of wheat and beans and barley and so the the site itself it we were attracted to it because it's just the most beautiful spot on the top of a hill there's a church in the in the kind of you know in the sight line and it's just it's so idyllic and and we fell in love with it but unfortunately the the land itself has been kind of um farmed conventionally so um it really was just a field of, of wheat originally um so it's very compacted um lots of tractor you know tractor sort of flow back and forth on it so in terms of starting a vegetable garden it's not ideal but that sort of again presents more of a challenge i suppose so yeah. um we've been basically trying to bring the soil back um to, to some form of life um so how do you
1: do that and how big is the space by so the way it's,
2: a, it's about i'd say it's about half an acre the actual mm. field area itself and then there's other little pockets around the barn where we'll, we'll be living um which i've got other plans for um but, but for the main kind of growing area um it's about half an acre it won't all be intensive veg production there'll be a sort of little orchard I want to do lots of perennial vegetables as well that are a bit lower maintenance um because like you say I haven't got an army of people so it's going to be me and and my husband although he's not he's not sort of historically a gardener but he'll be I'm sure roped in a lot he'll learn Um, he'll learn exactly um, so how
1: do you bring the soil back from years of mm, traditional farming
2: well this was a, it was a real like headache and a real challenge because it was so compacted and I was trying everything you know just trying to get a fork into it was just horrendous you know you literally can not get a fork in a centimeter in um my oh god so um <laughs> it wasn't ideal so so we basically took the decision to to subsoil it and plow it which is just my worst nightmare because I've always gone no dig you listen to Charles Dowding and people you know talking about no dig and and to plough the soil is just you know the devil's work really um it,
1: explain can you explain very briefly I'm sure many people will have read Charles's work but mm. explain briefly why that is such a bad thing to do well um, think, yeah if, if you can avoid it
2: yeah, the, the the kind of theory behind No Dig is that, um, you know, soil is full of life, particularly that top kind of few inches of soil. Um, and by digging it over, so not just worms, but bacteria, fungi, um, just a whole network of kind of, of soil life, a bit like, you know, we have in our own guts, really. So um, digging that, as we've traditionally done over the years, is, is disturbing all of that life it throws a lot of weed seeds up to the surface it it kind of can um, damage the structure of the soil so um if you can avoid it by the no dig method which is to to mulch on top so rather than turning that top layer over you're adding lots of compost whether it's um well-rotted manure or mushroom compost or green waste um and you, you sort of plant into that layer and over time that melds with the soil beneath and you just get this lovely lovely tilth but yeah um, that works brilliantly on you know your own lawn for example um, or you know if you've got garden beds already that you're using mm. you can go straight onto that with a sort of no-dig approach but on, a, on, on land that's been conventionally farmed it's it, I took advice from a lot of different kind of soil experts and growers and I think you know I could have gone no dig from the from the off, and probably I didn't dare talk to Charles because I thought he'd probably so Charles is a no dig, you know, advocate, yes. and I I thought he'd probably say you know don't you know do go no dig, and it, it felt like it would be a very long journey that way. Um, mm. So we we decided to do one a one off kind of cultivation, so a one off subsoiling, a one off ploughing, just to break up that pan because you get. That's, it's, it's a soil pan that you get from um, years of tractors basically ploughing it at the same depth. So um, mm-hmm. it was to break that up. So that was the first thing. Um, and then we sowed um, a, a green manure or a cover crop over the winter. So that was vetch and um, rye. And, that's, and cover crops are essentially used to, as an organic gardener and grower, you don't want any bare soil in your patch ideally, um, you know, maybe for a little bit in between kind of harvesting and replanting, but particularly over winter, you really want to avoid having any bare soil because that can get very easily eroded by the wind, by the rain. Um, So you kind of want to give it a nice covering and a nice blanket. And so um, that's what green manures and cover crops do. So Then, in theory, you then turn that back into the soil the following spring and that will add nitrogen. Um, So it's good for people that, you know, if you don't have access to even on a home scale, you know, if you don't have access to lots of compost and um, or, you know, manure or any of those sort of inputs, then growing green manures is is a good way to go because Mm. you're just scattering the seed on and then you've got this lush growth the following year um, that's really high in nitrogen
1: have you turned yours in
2: well now now, so so then the approach I thought so so doing the 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 cultivation initially I was then very keen to kind of stick to the no dig principles so um, we're actually using big tarps to um, cover it over and that will you know kill it off and let it mix back into the soil without actually having to dig it Um, nice that's a, a different approach really so So you can cut it down so you can either strim it or mine hadn't actually because we had a lot of snow here earlier in the year. So it hadn't got really lush by the time I needed to reincorporate it. So we literally just went straight over the top. Um, The downside of using the tarps is obviously, you know, they're big kind of plastic silage sheets. It just never seems to be the perfect solution really, um yeah but it does mean that you know we'll reuse those over and over again and um, and it's just so useful for you know again in your own plot if you um have a really weedy area rather than spending ages and you've got time rather than spending ages on your hands and knees you know digging it out disturbing the soil if you can just cover it over with some you know you could use cardboard um big sheets of cardboard or yeah if you have got access to some plastic sheeting or my sort of landscape fabric, yeah. whatever, just cover it over and, you know, wait a few months and you'll have a nice clean, um, weed free surface to work with. So
1: such a good tip. I love that. So you're not going to be growing that's going to stay covered this that season because this for, growing. Yeah, season? for
2: certainly for a few more months and then I'll mm. probably do I'll start shaping the beds and making you forming the garden really so getting the infrastructure in place because um, it's all sorts of things like, you know getting the watering points sorted and all the things you take for granted when you already have a garden you know in place so yeah. it's a lot to think about um the and then I'll probably sow some summer green manures and sort of just really this year is all about building the soil and building soil life and fertility um getting the bones in place that's such
1: an important thing to remember as well I think and it's so I don't know about you but I get so overexcited if I see a new growing space and I can see this beautiful garden that's not there yet and I'm going to do it and it's going to be fantastic but actually if you haven't got the soil in a healthy sustainable state that garden's not going to do much good so it's better to go slowly make sure you've got the backbone of the garden which is the soil and the life in the soil before you start growing
2: a hundred percent yeah exactly I think that's it you, you know we're also impatient to get going and you know you want to you've got you know got all your seeds and you're ready to go but yeah I think it is good practice to ensure that you've got you know the soil yeah you know, working on your side
1: so cut to, let's say, cut to 80 months, two years down the road. You've yeah. got your fabulous, luscious, organic soil. You've got these fabulous, uh, beautiful garden, and it's productive and um, exciting. And what is the plan for this beautiful mm. garden? I mean, apart from to just stand in with a cup of tea in the morning <laughs> and enjoy.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, can we come and visit you basically you is what I'm asking. Yeah Hooray! absolutely
2: <laughs> I would love that and you know I I'd, I'd, I'd love it to become a space where you know yeah people like yourself could come and do classes or we we're building a teaching space um as part of the the whole thing basically so um there's going to be a small area with a, a small kitchen and um, a space to be able to do classes and courses and things so that's the plan is to to create um a little hub really for courses that specialize in you know organic ecological growing um and and kind of I think you know a lot of my work has been with chefs over the years so trying to bring I mean I'm not a chef myself but trying to bring in you know people who might want to work with the garden and work with the produce and um be able to use it as well so yeah that's Wonderful. that's the dream um oh, we can't and, um, wait i think you know in suffolk as i say like traditionally there's not a huge network here of organic farms and although the soil association was started in suffolk and there's some amazing places like Wakelands and uh maple farm and hobmodod's are based here and um mm. so there's there's some great um henrietta inman starting a bakery here so there's some really great stuff going on um and it just feels like it's just because, you know, I think around Oxfordshire where I was before and the southwest and, you know, there's there's definitely lots of excitement and, and you know, in terms of food and growing. And I think um, we've got the Albro Food Festival here, which is brilliant and has been going for mm. a long time. So there's there's a lot of exciting stuff happening in Suffolk. But I think, yeah, it's just that drive more towards sustainability and, and regenerative growing and. Um, which I think is sort of starting to really take a hold now. Yeah.
1: Well, I wanted to ask you about that because your ethos is very influenced by um, organic growing and sustainability. And I know you've got gardening in your blood anyway, Um, but perhaps can you tell us a bit about how, as you grew as a gardener, apart from the influences of your family which maybe you could tell us a bit more about as well how did you come to organic growing
2: it's funny because it was always that was always the way i i learned and i was influenced so um i first got into growing in cornwall um and it was when jamie oliver opened his restaurant 15 down there and mm. um that's how i i sort of i got into it initially and i think that the, the people that the suppliers that i was working with at that time who were growing for the restaurant that was just their their ethos their way um there's a chap called sean o'neill who now runs good earth growers um down in cornwall and he was a huge influence really because he'd always grown that way and and you know just tasting the produce you know, walking around the, the polytunnels with sean and tasting his cresses and just all the weird and wonderful things he was growing that I'd never seen before was just it was like you know a whole new world really and i think just the flavor of of the things that he was he was showing me was so extraordinary that it just seemed and also i think you know as you say sort of going back a bit more growing up having an appreciation of the outside world of of you know the countryside and it just didn't ever feel right to me to um to want to put chemicals you know on my food and um I think mm. it just it just instinctively felt wrong um so I yeah. think um I just never went down that path really um even though you know I think my parents probably had you know they grew vegetable, they had an allotment and I'm sure, you know, the old Tomorite was there in the greenhouse and, you know, they were very into their food, but I, I wouldn't say they were kind of, they gave me that sustainable kind of ethos, really. Mm. Um, I think it was people like Sean, there was Butterfilla Farm in Cornwall as well, um, growing amazing tomatoes that didn't have any kind of inputs, you know, just good old cow manure and that was it, so and and to know and to and to know that it was just eat, you know that was the way i learned and it didn't seem difficult you know it didn't seem hard um yeah. in term i mean obviously yeah there's always challenges with growing organically but <laughs> it it didn't seem you know you grow if you're growing lots of beautiful flowers to bring in the pollinators and the the beneficial insects if you're making good compost all that is quite joyful stuff so it doesn't Absolutely. feel like an imposition to, to do it that way it just feels feels right really in the way it should
1: Joyful. be S- such a good word for it
2: so if people are growing
1: um let's say vegetables because mm. both of us are obsessed with vegetables so let's say vegetables but generally gardening as well if people are growing vegetables at home at the moment and they are using the tomerite here and there and they are reaching for the roundup when they see the bindweed popping up and things like that what On a small domestic scale, what would you say is the first couple of things you can do if you want to switch to a more organic way of growing?
2: I think, yeah, looking into making your own compost. And even if you've got a tiny, tiny space, you know, getting a little wormery um, is a good plan. Um, And being able to nourish the soil that way, I think is a good... good fix, a good first fix, so you know, you really don't need, you read about, you know, needing to, to feed your tomatoes with you know, a tomato feed, but I've, I've just never done that, and I think if you can put some good compost down the year before um, you're growing them um, you can make your own feeds, I mean even something as simple as a, a nettle feed um, is a really good tonic for your plants, and they're tell us, tell us your up. nettle
1: tell us your nettle recipe
2: um well so just get a bucket i'd say sort of probably like half a bucket of well three quarters of a bucket of nettles um and then probably a couple of stick them in a trug um and a couple of buckets of water on top and just let it sit for probably 10 days or so it gets pretty stinky Mm. um and then (laughs) (laughs) which is the downside for sure but if you can you can weigh them down with a brick to keep them sort of under the surface of the water and and maybe cover it cover the trug with something so if you've got some old compost sacks or something just to kind of try and contain the smell slightly Mm -hmm. um and then and then you just dilute that you just strain it off the nettles can go back into the compost pile um and you've got this liquid i think it's probably about one to ten you know one catchful of Of nettle feed into a watering can or something um and Mm. it's just a really lovely tonic if you've got comfrey um it's it's not one you see as commonly as nettles but um you can buy comfrey plants quite easily um Mm. and that's another one which you know nettle and comfrey combined is just such a, a wonderful tonic um, and it just
1: as a general feed for general
2: feed. tomatoes
1: or pretty much anything
2: yeah for pretty much anything really um and so or you know if you can't bother to do all of that there's some really good um seaweed feeds on the market now um maxi crop is good there's there's quite a few other ones now that are kind of you know back in the day there was only really maxi crop but um there's lots of other good brands that are doing organic um feeds there's something called rock dust which is a really good mineral what's um,
1: that wow i've not heard of that yeah, one yeah
2: it's it sort of adds a really good mineral hit to um to put to pot so if you're growing in pots for example you could add a few handfuls of rock dust um it's a company called remin who do it um and that's something that's a natural nice way to fertilize things so so I think, yeah, on a small scale, um, making those small changes, you know, mm. buying um, organic multi-purpose compost, I know it's more expensive, peat-free. Um, peat-free, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> it is more expensive. Well, it is isn't. it isn't. It depends, depends really on the, on the brands and the garden centres and mm. things. But, um, you know, that's a really important change to make, I think, um, you know, having a look at because peat is, you know, it's in everything um, compost-wise yeah. if you're not savvy and you're not, you know, looking out for it. So that's that's a very good one to keep keep a check These on. These are
1: really good tips. And I love, again, that the focus is on on the soil. And is this the kind of thing, can you tell us, whisper it secretly, is this the kind of thing that we can expect from from your lovely new yes. book, um, growing yes. book?
2: Yes, so definitely. Tips on
1: how to get started. Yeah, and,
2: exactly, like small-scale composting some medium composting to um yeah making your own feed and that kind of thing I mean there's really exciting stuff going on now um you know if you're into I I haven't started it yet I've just bought this book um damn it's out of reach um but it's um it's all about um you know if, if you're into fermentation um you know for your own gut and your own health yes. and, um, it's about how you can use those kind of um, methods you know for your garden so making all these amendments through fermenting different things and you know, see so on a small scale I think it's called the regenerative I should be promoting my own bit but it's called the regenerative <laughs> grower's guide to garden amendments um, so just thinking about yeah using locally sourced materials to make mineral and biological extracts and ferments that's quite um that's quite fascinating so on a on a kind of smaller scale you know how you can make these little concoctions if you haven't got access to loads of um yeah loads of compost or what because it's hard in a city isn't it like you know here we're Mm. really lucky because we've got um a farm literally next door that's got horses and i can i know i can be really careful about you know where that's how they've been fed, what medication they've had, etc. But in a city, it's really hard to access good. It's manure, hard to do that, so isn't it? You've got to try and find some of these little um, hacks, really. Um, yeah.
1: So we've talked about we've talked about recipes for the garden, like recipes for the soil and for the um, comfrey feed and things like this. I'd really like to talk about the recipes in the kitchen because um, I'm a keen cook and I grow in order to. Um, in order to cook really and so I was wondering what's your your early summer veg patch what harvests are you going to be most looking forward to and what do you do with them once oh. you get them in the kitchen please don't make me too hungry because I'm <laughs> hungry already
2: <laughs> <laughs> well I mean the things I have planted for this year and um, because we have got the polytunnel up and running so that's um that well I but up and running my husband's got all his like Building project stuff stored in it at the moment, but <laughs> we're going to be making raised beds really soon. Um, and I've got my little greenhouse, so we're, we're currently renting a house and it's got a small garden and a greenhouse in it. Um, so the greenhouse is chocker, chocker full at the moment of tomato plants. um I did a quite a big sowing day yesterday, um, so I always kind of quite try and grow lots of edible flowers. Um, we've got com- some interesting varieties of cucumbers which are going to go in the polytunnel um I always have to grow winter squashes although that's not early summer so early summer currently in the ground and we've got lots of new potatoes so that's kind of like Mm. my first well one of the first real joys of kind of late spring early summer so I mean and And they can be with that isn't it just
1: that can be quite controversial because some people are very into um their new potatoes with just butter Mm -hmm. some people say oh no no it's got to have mint I personally can't stand mint with new potatoes I think it's an aberration some people prefer parsley yeah what do you do
2: I I, do know, chives are quite a good one I I really like them with chives um approved I like that yeah um yeah I tend to do chives and parsley it's kind of uh, yeah I, I hear you with the mint that's a an interesting one um doesn't make sense but to as me as long as there's lots of butter I'm kind of happy with it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we
1: can come to yours in midsummer and expect big chive and tomato salads yes, and um, be lots
2: of tomatoes for sure brilliant um, lots of lots of salad leaves lots of little baby cucumbers um I'm trying to think what else is going in the tunnel because I, again I, I, that's kind of for walk. oh I've got some chilies um going in lovely there. um yeah beans I mean it's kind of yeah I, I sort of go for it really it's really hard you're probably the same like you you know as soon as you get a seed catalog in your hand or you know it's just impossible not to buy lots, yeah. of, lots of different things I've tried this year i really tried to be um I had a really good sort of clear out seeds and did a bit of a giveaway with excess seeds and tried to be really kind of um good with good with not overdoing it um but I'm sure I've probably
1: oh teach me how I'm yeah. terrible with a seed catalogue I just get a bit lost and I go I'm gonna buy this I'm not quite sure where I'll put it but yeah. I'm sure I'll find some space yeah no yeah. chance <laughs>
2: yeah
1: <laughs> Um, um, but yeah, like, herbs
2: so are a big one for me as well. You know, I I love mm. my herbs, and um, you know whether that's kind of culinary or I'm not a herbalist at all. But you know, I do love to. I love my herbal teas, and I love using herbs. You know, knowing that they're they're there as kind of allies, really, and there to support well being. And um, I hate that word; it's a bit of a buzzword. Well being, isn't it? But you know, it's it's kind of um, they're, they're there, basically, to yeah. call upon when you need them.
1: So I'm really glad you've said that. So I've just um, sown some chamomile mm. seeds, which I've not grown before because I am ai have a chamomile tea every night before yeah. bed because I'm that rock and roll. <laughs> um, <laughs> Me <God>. too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they haven't germinated. They're in the cold frame. Mm. They've been sown maybe two or three weeks now but nothing's come of them yet so maybe I'll have to give that another go
2: yeah I do you know what I don't I don't know if I've ever sown it from seeds so that's you can Mm. you can fill me in on what happened I'll
1: let you know I'll let you know now I'm conscious that we're going to run out of time soon so we can't let you go without me asking you a couple of specific questions so there's one and then I've got there's one that Jez wants me to ask and um then I've got five quick fire questions and I've got a buzzer and everything ready for those but first so Jez's question so he has because he's a bit forgetful and his brain works at like a hundred times um quicker than mine does he's always thinking of things so when he gardens he has a peg that he puts in his top pocket and it's got a piece of paper attached to it so that as soon as he because you know what it's like when you're gardening you go oh i must water the whatever or that reminds me i've got to pot out the insert whatever plant and then he scribbles it on his mm. note on his peg so he remembers to do it in the early summer, what do you think would be on your peg list of things to not forget to do in the kitchen garden?
2: Yeah, okay. Um, pinching out tomatoes that starts quite early on. Um, Great one. So yeah, they, they don't kind of start taking over. Um, tying in things that I grow quite a lot of climbing squashes and things up trellises, and so keeping on tying in things. Um, Keeping on top of the weeds, obviously, and the watering, that's kind of um, a given. Um, what else? What else? What else? What else? I think it's that continuity, isn't it? It's keeping the sowing going, because I think there's that inclination to do a big hit in the spring, and then we just leave it, and then you get a big kind of glut of everything. Well, you're the you're the glut this is exactly <laughs>
1: this is exactly what I do it's yeah. such a good piece of advice keep so sewing like, little and often
2: little and often so monthly sowings for me would be things like beetroot radish um salad leaves maybe not every month but sort of probably about three sowings of salads through the through the year um as per Charles Dowding um <laughs> he's very good with with his continuous salad yes. supplies um and, yeah, what else? Like, yeah. I see? think that's a that brilliant enough? list. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's
1: a good long good list, list. And I really must try with the continuous mm. sewing this year because I am um, terrible at it. Okay, quick fire questions. Are you ready? Don't think about it. Say the first thing that comes into your head. Um, courgettes or cucumbers? Courgettes. Dogs or cats?
2: Dogs story. You're
1: correct. No I mean, no, you're, you're quite right.
2: You're yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, both
1: jez and I have dogs who are kind of our spirit animals. Yeah. So um so we're very glad Even you said Even
2: though dogs.
1: they're a nightmare kind of on the bed
2: patch. But, you know. T- do you have a dog? I do. She's a complete nightmare.
1: Like What's she she's, called?
2: She's called Fig. I love uh,
1: We're digressing. This is yeah, supposed sorry. to be a quick, quick fire, fire round. Quick and Typically, fire. we've ended up talking about dogs. Um yep your go-to cookbook for your harvests.
2: So, mm. Meller at the moment. I've been looking at a lot. Mm. Yeah.
1: The new but one um that's all about vegetables.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
1: That's a brilliant such yeah. lovely books from him. Okay, yeah. great. Um your last gardening stroke nature book that you read.
2: Oh, I read um Notes from Walnut Tree Farm, which is a Roger Deakin book, so he's a Suffolk based writer, um and it's beautiful. It's all about um yeah, his his home in Suffolk here and um the woodland and the yeah, the surrounding countryside is beautiful.
1: Lovely. Oh that's a great recommendation. I'm writing that one down. Um and finally I'm sorry about this in advance. If you could only grow one herb, what would it be?
2: Lemon verbena. Interesting. There was no hesitation
1: there. You were like straight in there. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, otherwise I'll just be here all day. Like,
2: <laughs> so many. I could... Well,
1: congratulations to lemon verbena because that was a t- tough question. Thank yeah. you. It's been so lovely to talk to you. Oh, I you really too, appreciate puppy. it. You You've too. made me want to go and gather all my seeds together and sow them all and buy some more and i've got some lemon lemon verbena on order fantastic. actually so Love, i'm um, looking forward to sowing that yeah. um but thank you it's been an absolute pleasure
2: oh, no thank you so much for having me and i i always enjoy your inspiration of what to do with is that kind of um you know transferring what you're doing in the plot to the Cough, isn't it or whatever exactly so. <laughs> yeah you're
1: right and then um, we can we can look forward to your book in september and then coming to see your beautiful garden oh, yeah. in a year or two's time I'd love, love to have you here
2: i love that she loves dogs this
0: is brilliant oh we should start collecting people that sounds a little bit serial killer again doesn't it but <laughs> <laughs> we should we should start like a little club like if they if they like dogs they go oh we could send them a t-shirt we
1: totally should do that. We should oh, definitely oh my word, get
0: one. Kathy! I've just had the most amazing idea. What about oh, a God. limited edition Marley and Hadley Roots, Wings, and Other Things T-shirt?
1: We totally have to do this, oh, and we can gosh. only send it to people who say dogs yes. in the response. And uh, what been. I loved was that she was a bit apologetic because she thought yes. I might be a cat person. I know. <laughs> so but Actually, word. in hindsight, I'm not sure I like that she thought I was a cat person. <laughs> in the spirit of inclusivity, this. you know.
0: <laughs> what an incredibly calm and mm. wholesome and lovely and selfless-sounding woman she was, wasn't she? Mm. I mean, just a lovely person. I could have listened to her talk about... And that Soho farmhouse thing, where she says, I was just handing a load of builders and, <laughs> and went, there you go. There, there's I, the space that's empty that we want this uh, lovely garden to be in. <laughs>
1: I know, I'm also imagining the kind of clash of cultures of a band of, like, 20 builders looking at Anna and going, what? (laughs) What are we supposed to do?
0: (laughs) What a lovely, lovely chat. She sounds fab. And I have to say, Suffolk's not too far from here, so maybe... I'm hoping that, you know, I mean, I think we're still in a little bit of uncertainty in terms of the long term impact of uh, easing out of the pandemic and what might or might not happen. We still have to be, you know, I think we'll play our part and be a little cautious. Mm -hmm. But you should come up, stay here, and we can take a trip over to Anna's for the day because that's not too far from me. That would be lovely.
1: Should we let her know before we do that or should we just rock up?
0: (laughs) Why? Because it involves me now. Do you think we need to warn somebody? (laughs)
1: Yeah. We could just rock up one day. Here we are, we've brought our space. Yes. Remember us? <laughs> we gave you a free t-shirt, so you know, you're ours now. She's so nice, she'd probably just be like, come <laughs> in, you strange people.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. So have you, um, how has the week been with Hadley? <clears throat> have you been on lovely walks?
1: We had, well, we had a two-walk day the other day, and we had a walk with a friend, and then we went for a run, and as I set off for the run straight off the back of a walk with a friend, he looked at me like, are you mad, woman? Okay, (laughs) off we go. But it was lovely. How about you?
0: Well, I don't, as I said to you before, Miley's very old, um, he sleeps just a lot now, and Mm. I'm very, very, very fortunate that the space we've got here is quite big, so just him walking around generally gets lots of exercise but it was such a lovely evening the other night that I did take him out for a little stroll up and down the road. And, ah, oh, Kathy, I'm so pleased I went out for two reasons. Firstly, I live on a fen in Lincolnshire. So the garden is walled in on two big sides by uh, Lilandi fir trees that were planted there before that I inherited. And the sun sets the other side of those trees. So I see amazing sunrises. And I get teased, tantalized even by sunsets through the, um, the furs, unless I'm outside. So by taking them mm-hmm. outside, we saw, I put it on Instagram, the most spectacular sunset that the sky was doing everything it possibly could. Every type of cloud was there. There was light from behind the clouds and cracks in the clouds. And honestly... It was Trey Gorge
1: as they Magic. say.
0: Magic, and um, that's the
1: advantage of being in as flat an area as you are—that you get door. such big skies, mm-hmm. don't you?
0: Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that was great about it was he just sniffed like his life depended on it because oh. you know he hadn't been out for a while, so all these new smells and stuff. And he came back and he slept hard because you know we're only out for about I don't know 10 minutes or something like that 15 at the max but he's got so much stimulation from the sniffing
1: I Um, think we forget that don't we you think they need like lots of running around but actually as much of the exhaustion is off the back of yeah like reading a really hard novel <laughs> well,
0: <we're laughs> the equivalent for them, Well, we're in this it? country about letting dogs off leads, and it's so irresponsible in many ways, because unless you've got control over your dog and it'll come back readily, I just think it's ridiculous. And most of my dogs have always been kept on lead. Uh, oh, on really? nice, Nice, long two-metre leads. There's been so much research done into this. Approximately 10 minutes of sniffing and nose work and mental stimulation for a dog is the equivalent, roughly, of about half an hour of free running in terms of stimulation and exercise.
1: So, I didn't know
0: that. Um, And two metres, 1.8 to two metres, has been proven to be the optimum roaming distance for a dog from its owner. <clears throat> so, and the lovely thing is you build this wonderful bond with trust and eye contact and you can train in a lovely way that stimulates them. They can still sniff. They can come back to you. Rather than you see some people's dogs, you let them off and they're gone. They can give a hoot that the owner even existed. They have no idea what's on the other end of the leaf. Um, yeah. So I've been a... I've always been a big fan of. I do let them run free and whatever, but I've always been a big fan of actually more often than not keeping them on a leave. They can't run off. Oh, they can't run in front of the car. They can't annoy somebody. Um, I've not got to, you know, they won't run into rambles or or get into trouble. They won't go eat poo. They won't, you know. I've got full yeah. control over them, and we still oh, have a okay. lovely time. Anyway. Oh
1: well. I um I have to say, I do let Hadley off most of the time. When we run, he's mostly he runs off the lead. Me, he? Yeah. he runs me, yeah, and he's mostly off the lead. But um, like you, if I see, I think you do need to put them back on a lead. Because sure. even if you've got full control of them and Hadley and I have full control of each other, of each then other, yeah. <laughs> nobody else knows that. And the <laughs> sheep don't know that or the horse doesn't know that. Sure. or. But yeah. Now,
0: um, before we go, I wanted, mm. uh, you may have something useful to add. I just wanted to Unlikely. remind people. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to remind people about houseplants because it's getting warm. We're in the summer, and you, use, I normally water my houseplants once a week. So Sunday morning in my pajamas, uh, and I spend half an hour watering all the houseplants. But now it's getting warmer. I need to start mm. thinking about watering some of them maybe twice a week. Um, just that little bit, so that the soil is kept moist, a little bit damp. Uh, not not too damp and not sodden not wet but they dry out much quicker in this time of the year because obviously the uh, it is naturally warmer ambiently but also more humid as well so uh, just a little heads up to remind you that keep your houseplants looking gorgeous
1: that right. is helpful I am terrible at houseplants oh are you I don't have any
0: do you not I can't plant?
1: I can't do it but this but this might be why because I just don't tend to them enough and it would never I mean once a week I don't think I'd even get around to that let alone twice a week so this is useful
0: (laughs) why don't you check the when you water when you feed the dog feed the plant or wouldn't it be super gorgeous for you particularly in your sexy swanky new kitchen if you grew herbs and you could grow them in any room
1: oh well Jez uh the sexy, swanky new kitchen has a door that slides open straight onto a um, herb garden.
0: But you can bring your herbs inside. I could. Things inside could. are very good for you too, Kathy. I feel like you. I've got little some basil exclusive. growing.
1: I've got some basil growing inside in pots. I've managed not to kill that. So Is that because you're good.
0: going to transfer it outside?
1: <laughs> totally. Yes. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> But good tips. I must learn the ways of indoor growing.
0: You (laughs) you can be my little protégé. (laughs) Oh, you could be a protégé protégé.
1: Oh, that's dreadful.
0: Oh, I thought it was gorgeous. Oh, well.
1: Mm.
0: Right. (laughs) Go on. You sign off. Tell everybody where we can find us and what we need to do, Cathy Stack.
1: You can find us at the favourite place to get your podcast, wherever that may be, on iTunes or Spotify or Acast or any of the others. And you can find us on Instagram at at Roots Wings Podcast, where there will be pictures of Larry the Peg <laughs> and beautiful sunsets and gratuitous photos of both our dogs, I'm sure.
0: And talking of dogs, if you want to buy Hadley or Marley a biscuit, they will be hugely grateful for that. You can go to... Kofi K O hyphen forward slash roots and uh, donate as much or as little as you want for Marley and Hadley's little treat and we shall send photographs of them endowering endowering that's not a word endeavoring devouring that's the one devouring I'm very tired <laughs> devouring <laughs> their treats say goodbye Kathy
1: goodbye Kathy <laughs> <laughs> goodbye Jez <Jess>. goodbye goodbye <laughs>